So we, we begin this new series, and, and as I said at the beginning, it's about bringing whatever it is going on in our life, bring, bringing it to other people, um, bringing it to our brothers and sisters in Christ, bringing it to Jesus, and that's what we're called to do. The problem is we don't do that. And we don't do that for the simple fact that we feel like we're going to get judged. Oh, what are they going to think? Especially, you know, like in a small church, it's like, I'm not going to walk up front because you know they're going to be going, up. Oh, what? why is he going to see the pastor? Why is that person going up, uh, up front? And we start to become judgy on each other. And what I think is really interesting is we become judgy on each other. Have you ever noticed that? There's people that are in church. Now, I don't want you to look at them when I say this, but there are people that are here in this sanctuary with you today that if you saw them in public, you'd be like, I don't know who they are. We'd be denying them, you know, until they saw us. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't see you, brother. How are you doing today? You know, I think it's because it, it happens to me. Uh, I'll be someplace, like say I go over to Miller's Ale House, and, and while I'm over there at Miller's Ale House, you know, I walk up and I may see someone at the bar, and, and all of a sudden they see me, it's like this deer in the headlight look, and they like freeze, you know, like mid-drink, and I kind of chuckle, I laugh about it because I'm like, it really doesn't matter. You know, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to really like get on you about it. We may have a conversation but that's it. Or, or you'll see people, you see them, and all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, there's the pastor, and they kind of get down, they start to move away. Well, I want to let you know I'm guilty of the same thing, because there's some people that outside of church, I hope I don't run into you. And I know that may sound sad, and it may sound bad, but, but there's just some people that, hey, you know, I love you as a brother and sister in Christ, but I don't want to see you outside. I, I don't want to see you uh, just, some people are just that way. You know, think of it this way. Every one of us have people at, whether it's at work or even in school or someplace, you know, we've got, you know, suck up Sam. No one wants to hang out with suck up Sam from work, right? Because you don't want to be known as a suck up. Why are you hanging up with suck up Sam? Oh, you hanging out with them. Oh, you're going to go tell the boss now? So, so we got these people that we don't want to see, or, you know, maybe teacher's pet, you know, Teresa, hey, I'm not going to hang out with Teresa, she's a teacher's pet, pet. And, and, and Lord knows if people see me with her, they're going to think that I'm sucking up or, or that I'm a teacher's pet also. And, and one of my favorite, you know, well, I'm not, <clears throat> wow, okay, <clears throat> none of us really want to see, you know, Hallelujah, Han- Hannah outside of church. Y'all know Hallelujah, Hannah, right? That person who's odd for God. And, and, and you really don't want to see him outside of church because you're like, wait, their whole car is full of scripture. And they drive down the road and they're blaring this Christian music and people are looking at them all weird. And, and maybe you don't want to be associated with them because you think they're odd for God. Some of us are odd for God. Some of y'all in this room are odd for God. And, and, and what's sad is some of y'all, when I was talking about different people you don't want to like hang out with or, or that you would deny seeing in the real world, you actually thought of somebody. Some of y'all probably thought of more than one person being like, 
man, pastor, I know I ain't going to happen. But see, we all go through this phase and we kind of deny people and we, we kind of define people off of who they are. You know, oh, that's, that's hallelujah Hannah over there. That's how we're going to define her. When you think about in the Bible, we define characters or people in the Bible by what they did. You know, one of the people we're going to read about today, many of us are going to define him as the denier. And when you think, and I even say he, he's a denier in the Bible, you're probably already thinking, oh, that's Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. And we forget about all the good things that Peter did, you know, like, like on the day of Pentecost when he preached boldly and over 3,000 people accepted Jesus and, and came part of the kingdom. But we'll remember that he denied Jesus. And unfortunately, we define him by that same thing because he was a denier. And it makes me wonder, how do we define ourselves? Or what defines you? You know, do you allow maybe your hurt, hang-up, or habit, do you allow whatever it is that's going on in your life to define you? You know, in, in the world today, you think about it, if you go to AA, hi, I'm Al, I'm an alcoholic. You go to Narcotics Anonymous, hi, I'm Ken, I'm addicted to fentanyl. And, and we define ourselves by our addiction. We define ourselves by what we're going through. Hi, I'm Ken, I've been divorced. Hi, I'm Ken. I'm grieving. Hi, and, and we allow something that's happening in, in or around us to define who we are. But ultimately, that's not what should define us. As we look at our life and, and we look at even Peter here today, many of you would say, well, I would never, ever do what Peter did. I would never define Jesus. I would never deny him. I would never, no way in the world would I ever do it. But if someone came up to you today and put a gun to your head and said, do you want your life or do you want Jesus? Many of you guys would probably choose your life. Many of the people who are outspoken about, I will choose Jesus, I will never deny Jesus. If a gun was put to your head, you'd be saying, Here, here's my wallet. Here's, here's my phone. And I want my life more than I want Jesus. And that's a reality. As much as you want to sit there and say, oh, I would never do it, most of us would deny Jesus. Most of us actually deny Jesus on a regular basis. And we may not think we're denying him, but we actually deny Jesus on a regular basis throughout our life. And, and that's one of the things we're going to look at today as we talk about Peter, you know, Every gospel, all four gospels mention this story. Mention the story of Peter denying, denying Christ. And, and yes, we know, we know that Peter, who was a devoted disciple, we know that he does deny Christ, and, and we know that he grieves his failure. You know, he grieves his failure, and, and I think a lot of times we'll do that same thing where we may deny Jesus um, for some reason. Maybe we denied him around a certain person or a group of people, and we denied him, and then all of a sudden we feel like this failure, just as Peter did, we need to remember that, like Peter, our failures and mistakes do not define us. They will not define us, and we can accept our imperfect selves in light of God's grace as he comforts and restores us in our weaknesses, just as he restores Peter. 
So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Or as always, it will be up here on the screen. But we're going to be Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. And, and this is a set of scripture that many of us know. But, but it's always a good thing, I think, for us to go back and, and remember and learn from it. Amen? Amen. So Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl approached him and said, you were with Jesus the Galilean too. But he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, this man was with Jesus the Nazarene. And again, he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, you really are one of them since even your accent gives you away. Then he started to curse and to swear with an oath, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed and Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. If there's one person throughout the Bible who we look at as he was a disciple of Jesus, we'd look at Peter. You think about Peter. Peter was gung-ho. Peter was always the first. He was the first to speak when Jesus asked a question. And maybe it became a little annoying, you know. We all know one of them people who is the first one to give the answer. He was always the first one to, to step forward. When Jesus needed something done, he stepped forward to do it. He was the first one to actually acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. While the others, instead of acknowledging him, him as a rabbi and a teacher, he actually acknowledged him as, a, as the Messiah. He was the first one to always be there, and he was the first one to profess Jesus with his faith and be willing to give his life up for him. Yet in all of his zealousness, all of this diving first, I'm there for you. I will die for you. I will be there for you. I'll even pull out a sword when they come to arrest you and cut off someone's ear for you. When it came time and the rubber met the road, he denied Jesus. He denied who he was, even cursed. Yes, he cursed. Even cursed with an oath. So it's probably that GD that we don't like people saying. So he, he probably used them type of words. And, and as zealous as he was, as, as much as he always wanted to be there and was willing to die for Jesus, he still denied him. And I think as we look at this story, we can see our own lives and, and see ways that maybe we even deny Jesus. And we deny him on a regular basis. I think one of the ways that we deny Jesus on a regular basis, is with our words. In our words alone, I read a quote that said, the tongue has the power of life and death. That seems pretty extreme, doesn't it? The tongue has the power of life and death. But the reality is, once a word comes out of your mouth, you can never take it back. 
you can never ever take it back. And there was a word that actually caused many of you in this room know the name Karen Carpenter. She was a singer back in the 70s, and she ended up in 1983, she ended up dying from heart failure due to anorexia. She fell into anorexia because a reporter one time referred to her as chubby. If you don't think words are sharp and can kill, think about that. That single reporter making a comment of how she looked a little chubby caused her to worry so much about her looks and what she ate that she became anorexic and it ended up costing her her life. The reporter probably never thought about it again. And unfortunately, that's what we do in our own life. We allow these words to come out of our own mouth, and we never think about it. We never think about the impact that them words are going to have later in life. And unfortunately for us, um, we will say things to our spouses that we won't say to anybody else. Words will come out of our mouth to our closest, to our significant other that we won't say to anybody else. We will say things to our family that we won't say to anything else. And we'll turn around and we'll just play it off like, oh, well, it was nothing. But them words of meanwhile have cut someone to the core. And it continues to be something. It could have been something you said 10 years ago that's still causing hurt in someone's life today. And not only do we do it to our spouses or our family, we will do it to our own brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and we'll do it with the onus of, oh, well, I guess your faith just isn't big enough. Oh, you know it was just a word. Oh, you know I was kidding, really? Once it comes out, you can't take it back. Once it flows, whatever it may be, you can never bring it back. And, and our words should either build someone up they should never tear someone down. Ephesians 4.29 says this, No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. Do your words give grace to those who hear? To everyone that hears. That's what our words should do. And when our words do not do that, or when we say something that that may hurt somebody, we're denying Jesus. Jesus' words were always there to build up and to edify somebody. His words weren't there to tear someone down. And, and I honestly believe that if we actually paid attention to the words that we, that we say and that we speak, we would actually bring unity to the church like Jesus prays for in John 17. But instead, our words bring disunity and it, it causes division with inside a church just because of the words or the attitudes that people have or what they say. So we can either profess our faith in Jesus in what we say, but we can actually deny our faith in Jesus by what we say. So guard your words and how you say them. The next thing I think we deny Jesus with our actions we deny Jesus with the things that we do um, as we go through life. And see, not only are we called to practice what we preach, but we have to practice what we hear and learn also. 
You know, it, it, it's about doing what God's Word calls you to do. It, it's about not only being a hearer, but a doer. You know, as we go through this life, many people, oh man, this it was a good sermon, Pastor, and, and I'm so glad that I, I was here to listen to it. And then you walk out the door, and five minutes later, if I asked you about it, you don't even know what it was. And, and, and you don't even apply it into your life. You're kind of like, hey, that was real good. I'm going to do this. And it's kind of like that New Year's resolution, you know, that lasts till January 2nd. You know, oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do what you call me to do, Lord, but, but then we're not going to actually do it. And, and it's about living that life not only on Sunday mornings. That, that, that life that you do on Sunday, oh, well, it's Sunday, it's the Sabbath, I'm going to go to church, and you're going to be holier than thou all day long. But then what about Monday through Saturday? Monday through Saturday, you get back out into the world. You're, you're at work. You're dealing with, you know, suck up Sam over there. Or you're dealing with whoever it may be that, that you don't want to be around. And, and now kind of life gets going again. And, and now you get right back into the life of the world instead of the life that Jesus called you to be in. You, you start acting this like this totally different person. And, and because... And you're, you're this one kind of person on Sunday, but you're a totally different person. Or, or you're this person who, who, well, pastor, I'm doing great today. And, you know, hey, my brothers and sisters in Christ. But then you go home and, and you treat your wife badly. Or you go home and you treat your kids badly. Or whatever it may be as you leave and you're not living that godly life that you're called to live. And we all fall into it from time to time. We, we fall into this, hey, that's it. This is the day I'm going to make a change, and that change lasts for a couple hours. And then you fail. And then when you fail, you think, oh, well, I can't do it. I tried. And then you think that failure is what defines you. And, and you kind of figure, well, that's just the kind of husband I'm going to be. That's just the kind of wife I'm going to be. Well, I'm sorry, but that's just who I am. No, it's not. We are so much bigger than what we define ourselves as. And, and the way that we act, we can control the way that we act. We can control what we do simply by what we watch, what we listen to, what we see. If you're watching something you shouldn't be watching, guess what? Change it. If you're going on the Internet and watching something you shouldn't be watching, put a blocker on your computer. Put a blocker on your phone. If, if you're drinking too much, get involved in Celebrate Recovery. If you're out there and you can't wait for your next fix, get involved in Celebrate Recovery or, or NA or something. Take a step and don't let that define you. Take a step and move forward in your life and say, you know what, I need to be the same person I am Sunday in church every day. And strive to be that same person every place we go. We're called to do things. We're called to bear fruit for Jesus. So if you're not out there bearing fruit, are you actually doing what he called you to do? Ephesians 2.10 tells us, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So a product of our faith is doing what God calls us to do. 
the works that he calls us to do, doing that. Works will not save you. However, we all have things we need to do. We, we need to be out there doing the things that we're called to do and being there for others, being there for that person who's less fortunate. is one thing just to say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I care for the poor, but then you never feed them. I, I care for those people who, who are marginalized and, and they don't have no clothes, but you don't clothe them. I feel sorry for this guy across the street from me, and, and I'm just going to pray for them. Why don't you go over there and help them? Take the step. Be or do what God calls you to do instead of just a hearer. Actually put it into effect. That's how we build the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is built outside of these four walls. Be about kingdom building. I think the next way that we deny Jesus is through our witness. Proverbs 14, 25 says, A truthful witness rescues lives, but one who utters lies is defeat, deceitful. Every one of us is called as disciples of Jesus Christ to spread the good news. It was good news when you heard it, right? Man, it was good news. Oh, man, that's such good news. You mean a sinner like me can be saved? You mean someone who has done everything I've done in my life, if, if I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I can be saved and I can spend eternity in heaven? Man, that's good news. What's it going to cost me? It's going to cost you the way you live your life. Well, can I pay for it? No. You can't buy it. Is there a special handshake? No. Do I got to do this ritual dance? No. You just have to accept Jesus. And, and when you accept Jesus and realize that he died on the cross for you, how good news it is, now our job is to tell other people that good news. Now I want you to think about it. When is the last time you honestly told someone about the good news about Jesus Christ? Honestly had a conversation with, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. For some of you, you're probably thinking, man, it was last... Oh, no, it wasn't. You can't remember the last time you told someone the good news. So ultimately, if you're not doing what he called you to do, to make disciples, to tell people about him, you're denying him through your witness. You're not doing what he called you to do. And for many of you, you're thinking, man, I, I, can't, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Oh, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. I guarantee it's not. The hardest thing I ever did was asking my bride to marry me. I was afraid she was going to say no. That's one of the hardest things for me to do. Telling someone about Jesus, hey, that's easy. I'll tell someone about Jesus all day long. It's nice and simple. Look, this is what he's done. This is what I used to be. This is when I met him. And guess what, man? Look at all this he's done in my life since then. Now, I'm still messed up. I'm still jacked up. I still have issues. But he loves me. And he loves you. And he loves you just the way you are. He will change you from the inside out. 
But when we actually deny telling people that, we're actually denying Jesus because we're not doing what he called us to do. We're not living out that faith that he calls us to do. So we see we, we can deny Jesus every day through our words, through our works, and also through our witness. And if you notice, them aren't real big things. Them are actually small. Most people think that, oh, denying Jesus is coming out and saying, I do not believe Jesus is the Lord. I do not believe in him. I do not believe the Bible. Yeah, that's big denial. But think about the little piece of denial you do each day. When, when you're having this conversation and, and the Lord prompts you, man, tell them about me. Tell them about you. Tell them about me. And then you don't. You denied him. You denied telling someone about the saving grace of Jesus Christ because maybe you felt a little awkward. If the Holy Spirit is telling you, tell them, guess what? The Holy Spirit's already prepared them to hear what you're about to say. Already got it prepared. It's already set up for you. All you got to do is step in and do it. But we'll deny doing what he calls us to do. We'll deny it through what we say, what we do, and ultimately what we don't do. Remember, a word of wit, you know, when we hold, withhold that witness from anybody, when we, when we don't do a good deed for somebody, when, when the Spirit tells you, hey, do this, and I've mentioned it before, I will pull up at 95, and there's, you know, you always see the homeless guys there, and I never, ever carry cash on me. I'll generally have something that, hey, here's a food or here, here's something. Of course, they don't want food. They want money. But there's times that I've pulled up and Jesus says, give him a $20 bill. And, and I'll pull it out and I'll be like, really? I know what he, And in my mind, what am I, I start that judging thing. All they're going to do is use it for alcohol. They're going to use it for drugs. They're going to use it for something. And, and he says, Give it to him. So I'll roll down the window and I'll put it out there. And, and they come up and they're all excited when they see that $20 bill. And when they grab it, I kind of hold it a little tight. You know, so it's kind of like this. And, and, and I figure, well, I got to get my own words in here. So, I, hey, do me a favor. And I tell them the story. God, I generally do not do this. But God told me to give this to you. So because he told me to give this to you, I'm just going to ask you one thing. Do the right thing. I'm doing the right thing that he called me to do. Do the right thing. And then I tell them to have a blessed day. Now, I can't control what they go and do with it. But you know what I did control? I controlled not denying Jesus. I did not deny the Christ. I did not deny the Holy Spirit. I did what he called me to do. That's where my obedience comes. That's me doing what I'm called to do. And each of us should do the same thing. E each of us should do what we're called to do in, in this life. And remember that small things are what cause the damage in people's lives. It's a small world, word. It's this or that. You know, many of us, y'all saw the movie The Titanic. And you think of Titanic, and you think, well, the Titanic went down because it hit the iceberg. And the iceberg would have made this big hole in the side of it and caused it to sink. Well, guess what? That's not what happened. That was the movies. 
reality, when they actually went to the Titanic, they found six narrow slivers in the six, like, holding areas of the, that kept it buoyant. They found six narrow slivers, which is what caused the Titanic to actually sink. It wasn't a huge gaping hole. It was little narrow cuts that allowed the water to penetrate. In our lives, it's those little narrow cuts that allow, that cause us to not follow Jesus, that cause us to deny Jesus. It's generally not a big event that does it. It's normally something so small, and you don't think about it. You don't think about the word that come out. You don't think about, man, I should have told them about Jesus. You don't think about, man, I should have helped that person out. Generally, it's after the fact that you think about it. You're like, I can't believe I didn't do that. Pray about it, and God will give you another chance to do it. So so with that, as we look at this, like I said, here Peter denied Jesus three times. We know Peter as he's a denier. He's a complete failure. He's a traitor to his faith. He's a traitor to Jesus. And understand, here he is. He was part of the inner core. He was probably the best student. He failed, and when he failed, they said he wept bitterly, and he went away. He realized his mistake, and he turned, and he ran away. But he got back on the right track. So I want to let you, if you're out there and you're on that wrong track and you're going in the wrong direction and you're running from Jesus instead of toward him, think back to Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. In the Gospel of Luke, it actually says when Peter denied him the third time, he looked up and Jesus was looking right at him. Can you imagine denying Jesus and then him looking right into your eyes? Think of what Peter went through. All that looking into his eyes that he wept, he left. But then you think about he didn't run too far. Because when it was announced that the tomb was empty in the upper room, who was first one out of the room? Peter. When when they went back to fishing and, and they heard Jesus was on the shore and they recognized him, who was the first one out of the boat? Peter. Peter was the first one to jump. Peter was the first one to move. And instead of letting what happened, instead of him denying Jesus, letting that define him, he focused on who Jesus was and said, that is my Lord. That is my God. I am going to follow him. And he continued, even though he wept, he was bitter, he ran away for a little while, he turned, and every chance he got, he ran towards Jesus. He ran towards him instead of letting his past define him, instead of letting anything else define him, he ran towards Jesus. And I think it's interesting, after he jumps out of the boat to swim to shore, where Jesus is on the shore, in the Gospel of John, it actually talks about this. And in John 21, 15 through 17, Peter and Jesus are having a conversation, and it goes like this. When they had eaten breakfast, by the way, they'd eaten breakfast, so that means there'll be food in heaven, because Jesus was still hungry, okay? Just so you know, all right? When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Peter's life changed when he finally realized who Jesus was. When he finally realized who he was, his occupation changed from a fisherman to an evangelist. He went from identifying, he changed his identity from being reckless to a solid rock. His relationship with Jesus changed, and for the one he had denied him, he was now forgiven by him. He received that forgiveness, he changed, and like I said, on the day of Pentecost, he preached Christ crucified, and over 3,000 people joined the church. Can you imagine getting up there and preaching and having 3,000 new people join the church in, in one setting? That's how much he changed. Instead of being a denier, he changed his focus, and he realized what God had for him to do. And as we look at this, even with Peter, I think there's things that we see that we can do ourselves. And one, even though Jesus, even though Peter initially ran, in the end he didn't focus on the problem. He focused on the problem solver. He focused on who Jesus was. He, he, as we go through life, you know, we're going to have problems that arise in our life. And, and unfortunately, we'll get to the point that we let that problem define us. It consumes our lives. And instead of focusing on the problem, why don't we focus on Jesus, focus on God, focus on his word, focus on what he has for us, knowing that not only can we go to Jesus, but we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can go through to help us through a problem. We don't have to do it alone. Peter realized this. He was actually in the upper room with the other disciples after he denied Jesus, which means they accepted him for who he was and what he did. We need to do the same thing. Accept each other for who we are, even for what we may have done, because we all need to focus on the problem solver, not the problem itself. The other thing we need to do is understand it, and we need to seek and receive God's forgiveness. This is exactly what Peter did. Peter initially ran away, but then he kept running towards. He heard Jesus was someplace, he ran. Jesus was on the shore, he jumped out of the boat and swam to him. He continued to seek Jesus in all that he did, and in the end, even though he blew it, he knew that he blew it, he received forgiveness. Even if you blow it in your life, you can still receive forgiveness. Even the Apostle Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 said, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. We need to go to him in all that we do. And most importantly, we need to learn from our failures. 
You know, you, you think about your life. We, we learn from the mistakes that we make. And, and sometimes we learn, don't do it again. You know, like when you're a kid. You know, I remember my kids walking with a fork towards that electrical outlet. And it was like, don't let them do that. I said, they're only going to do it once. They're going to learn. And then they get shocked and they don't do it again. Yeah. Then you become an electrician. You get shocked all the time and it doesn't matter. You know, hey, don't touch that wire. And hey, that wire is hot. And you reach up and you touch it anyways. Been there, done that. Hey, don't do this. Okay, I won't do it until five minutes from now. And I'm going to do it anyways. You know, through our life, we all got things that we shouldn't do. We know we shouldn't do. And what do we do? We, we still do it. We, 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 we say, oh, it's so pretty. We got to do it. You ever notice how pretty sin is? How enticing it is for you? And, and you know it's sin. You know you shouldn't be doing it. But what do you do? You keep walking towards it because it's so pretty and it draws you in. Understand that, that we can beat that and we can... We can learn from that and we can move forward to it, but we just need to seek Him. Seek God through it all and, and allow Him to, to teach us a lesson. And sometimes you may even ask Him, God, what do you want me to learn from this? What do I need to learn from this so that I don't do it again or, or so that I can be stronger? What are you trying to teach me through these circumstances? Remember Romans 8.28 says that, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. God can work it all out so that it's, it's good and that it can be pleasing, but, but we've got to seek Him through it. I think the other thing is we need to move forward. We need to continue to go forward in our life. So many times we'll run into a problem and we get stuck and we kind of like sit there and mull in it like we're spinning our tires and, and we just don't move forward. You're, you're seeing your failure can become this instrument that, that God can actually use to soften your heart and increase your understanding. Um, just need to move. Continue to go forward. And most importantly, never, ever give up. Never give up. John Maxwell in his book, Failing Forward, said this, Failing can often lead us to fear and inactivity. Remember I said keep moving forward? It can lead to fear and inactivity. Your sin and failure is not what defines you. Even though that's what Satan's going to tell you. Satan's going to tell you, oh, look at that sin in your life. You're a failure. You're not worthy of God's grace because you sin too much. Oh, there you go. You did it again. Oh, you did that same one again. See, you're just a failure. God's never going to forgive you. Well, Satan's a liar. Call him out for what he is. And, and make sure you continue to never, ever give up. Jesus died on the cross to make each one of us worthy. His death on the cross made us worthy of his forgiveness. His death on the cross made us worthy of doing what we're called to do for him. Don't let anything ever stop you from it. You, you've got to believe it. You've got to believe that Jesus came for you to get you past whatever it is you're going through. And whatever that is in your life, that's not what defines you. Yeah, as we saw today, Peter, the devoted disciple, yes, he denied Jesus and he grieved for it. But at the same time, what we can learn, like I said, 
like Peter, our failures and mistakes do not define us. We can accept our imperfect self in in light of God's grace as he comforts and restores us in our weakness. So what defines you? I'll tell you for me, I am a sinner saved by grace, and I am a follower of Jesus. Now, you notice I said I'm a follower of Jesus. I didn't say a denomination. I didn't say a political party. I didn't say anything else. I'm a follower of Jesus. Because that is first and foremost what I am. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not a fan. I am a follower. Each and every day of my life, I seek to be a follower of Jesus. I seek to do what he calls me to do. So you want to know what defines me? Jesus defines me. Not my past. Not my future, because I know I'm going to mess up. But that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ defines who I am each and every day of my life. What defines you? Does your past actions define you? Does what you used to do in your life define you? It shouldn't, but some of us allow it to. So maybe today's the day that you say, you know what? Whatever my past was, whatever that hurt, whatever that hang-up, whatever was going on in my life that, that I thought defined me is not going to define me. I'm going to let Jesus define who I am. Be a follower of Jesus Christ. Watch the words that you say. Watch the actions that you do. Don't deny him in the little ways. Try not to deny him at all. Let your words be pleasing to him. Let your words be grace-filled for whoever you're talking to. Live your life telling people about Jesus. That's what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples. We're called to tell people about Jesus. It was good news for you. Guess what? It's going to be good news for them. Don't deny Jesus by not doing it. And maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, Pastor, that's good, but I don't know Jesus. Well, that's okay. You can become a follower of Jesus today. And if you think you got to get it all together, don't worry about it. As I said during announcements, when we welcomed our new family members into the church, welcome to our messed up, jacked up family. Because see, God's word says that we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So that means whoever's sitting next to you is a sinner, just like you. If you join us for church online and and maybe wherever you're at, guess what? There's sinners all around you, even in church online. Because we're all sinners and we all fall short. But yet God showed his love for us that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. All the sins you ever did, and we all know the sins that we've done. Thank God we get his grace. Thank God we get his forgiveness. But you know, he also died for the sins you're still going to do. 
Now, it doesn't mean just go and do them. But we're going to do some. We're going to be sinners till the day we meet Jesus face to face. So we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So you're in good company. God's word goes on and it says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. So you accept Jesus, you, you confess it, you accept him, you believe that God raised him from the dead. Woohoo, I'm saved. And then you go into the world. And guess what? The world is the same world it was before you came into church. The people are still the same. What they were doing was the same. And, and even you are still kind of the same. The only difference is in your, in your heart and in your mind now, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then life happens. And then you kind of fall back some. That's where Christian community comes in. When you slip, when you fall, when those things come up that you think are defining you, you have a Christian community to come to that is going to be there to lift you up and help you get back on the path to where you should be as a Christ follower. But from the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that should be what defines you. When someone says, what defines you? Jesus defines me. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you, Pastor, man, you, you, you've been listening to my, you bugged my house. You're talking about me. Don't worry, if you think I'm talking about you, I'm probably talking about the person next to you too. Because we all go through it. You're not alone. And, and maybe it's just, Pastor, I need some prayer. I, I need to get back on the right track. At, at the end of service, there's going to be prayer partners up here. And, and as everyone's leaving during the final worship song, just swim upstream. Just come up here, and you can come up here, and you can take time to pray with one of the prayer partners up here. If you've never accepted Jesus, or maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus, they'll be more than happy to talk with you, pray with you, and for you about that. Amen? So when I'm done praying, you're free to go. But if you need prayer, I encourage you to come up front. Because we'll have John, Valerie, and Maureen will be up front up here. So make your move today. Whatever it is that you need to do, figure out what it is your destiny is and what defines you. And if it's not Jesus, change that today. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything you do in our lives. And Lord, as we go through this life and we try to figure out what it is that defines us. The world's going to tell us so many different things should define us, but Lord, our ultimate what defines us is you. And Lord, may we understand that first and foremost, we are followers of Jesus. We're yours. We're here to do what you call us to do. So, Lord, may, may our words please you and those that we come in contact with. May our actions show 
that we are your followers each and every day. And Lord, may we never give up helping someone in need. And Lord, may we be obedient to what your word calls us to do. And Lord, may we never, ever give up. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and serve the Lord. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.